this is Danielle from the Gels Curator, and this is episode 141 of Art for Your Ear. It also happens to be the very first episode in season three. Now, I was just about to say, oh, I had a super relaxing summer, but that is totally not true. <laughs> I had a very exciting summer. I traveled to Venice to teach at the European Cultural Academy. I went to New Orleans to attend and speak at Collage Fest, which was fantastic. And I was invited to be one of the artists in the Vancouver Mural Festival, <laughs> which was insane and intense and a bit of a dream come true. Other than that, though, I didn't do much. <laughs> I hope you had a fun and crazy summer or a cozy, productive winter if you happen to be in the Southern Hemisphere. So here we are, the beginning of season three, and there are lots of exciting things underway and, of course, zillions of artists to talk to. Thankfully, I still get to say this episode is brought to you by Saatchi Art, the world's largest curated online gallery, which happens to be filled to the brim with independent artists from around the world. One of the aforementioned exciting things to keep in mind is Saatchi's The Other Art Fair. This fall, The Other Art Fair will be in London, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Brooklyn. To find out more, visit theotherartfair.com, or to buy art from Saatchi Art, visit saatchiart.com. Today's episode is also supported by Create Magazine. Artists, designers, and makers from around the world are welcome to submit to Create's print issue open calls or send work to their free daily blog to be featured. The call for the November issue is open right this very second. The deadline is September 29th, so you still have lots of time. Visit create-magazine.com for details. All right, so let's kick this new season off right. My guest today is talented, hilarious, kind, and has such an interesting story. Born in England, raised in Pakistan, and now based in Vancouver, Sara Khan creates crazy watercolor worlds filled with homemade mythology. She also just took her watercolor works that are normally on paper, large scale. Yep, she was also invited to go big or go home at the Vancouver Mural Festival, and I'm telling you, her wall was stunning. Anyway, let's get on with this very long conversation. I know how you like those. So Sara and I just talked and talked and talked about everything from art to cinnamon buns. All right, here we go, calling Sara in Vancouver. Hi, Sara. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Have you recovered from being a mural artist? Oh, my God. You know, um, <laughs> you know first there's the anticipation and the worry, and then when you get into it, it's such amazing fun that right after I was completely lost. I was like a zombie. I didn't know what to do with myself. Me too. <laughs> I totally you know? felt blocked and like I wasn't sure, like I, there'd been so much buildup and then it's such a physical way of making art that I've never done in my life. Same with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know it took me a little bit to kind of like figure out what I was supposed to do. I was like, is there another wall that I could paint on? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, we thought- will, we're going to get to that because that is at the end of your story to date, because that was a few weeks ago. Exactly. Okay, so I want to know about when you were little, because I know that you were born in London, but then you moved to Pakistan. Were you a baby when you guys moved? Yes, so so I was actually not born in London. I was born um, uh, in Birmingham, I think, uh, because my parents lived in this small town called Samworth, Mm-hmm. which is nearby. Um, it's known for its pigs, apparently. But it was very it's like, known for what? For its pigs. Oh. 
The Campworth thing, apparently. Okay. Um, so my mother actually grew up there. And then my father, when they got married, tried to make a go of it in, in Tamworth. Um, uh, and he's, he's originally from Lahore, Pakistan, and he just, he couldn't do it. He wouldn't be away from his family and friends and all the craziness that Lahore is. So they, uh, they had me and my brother in England. And then when I was about three, four, uh, if, yeah, just when I was about to get into school, they moved back to Pakistan. Okay. And are you the youngest or is your brother younger? I'm the eldest, actually. Okay. My brother, and then it's me. Okay. And so, do you remember England at all? Yeah, so very, like, strange, uh, big uh, memories. My mother always, my both my parents always say I have a very strange, wacko memory. So I do have, like, I remember the house. I remember my aunt used to live right around the corner. So sometimes also was very little, but it was a very safe place. So my mother would sort of just watch me around the walls, walk to my aunt's house, although yeah. I was just three. Oh, my God. She <laughs> uh, needed a break. I remember running off to the park and my father running after me because neither of them would take me to the park. And it was right across the road. But the road was like, was like a pretty mean road. So I remember the, the, the traffic policeman caught me and then my, I saw my father running towards me and thinking, oh, Scotia when I was that age same thing and I have all these very vague memories but they're all very yeah. sunshiny and wow. you know probably all wrong like I don't know but anyway it's <laughs> what really I remember what's that I really, really want to go there yeah uh, have you been there since like I have never been there um and I recently saw Maud Maudie the movie <gasps> yes oh, my heart I just Love that movie. Oh my god, I cried and cried. <laughs> Happy tears and sad tears. Yeah. Ugh, I'm not, I won't give any of it away, but my gosh, there's like a few moments there where I was just like, oh, and she's such a good actress. Okay, yeah, everybody needs to see that if they haven't seen it yet. Maudie, go. I told my uh, mural neighbor as well. I was like, you have to watch it. It's so good. Had he not seen He hadn't seen it, I guess? Yeah, I hadn't seen it yet. Oh, yeah, yeah it's a good one. Yeah, and like the people of Nova Scotia, it's, I mean, people are so kind there. And yeah, anyway, I, I've been back since a few times when I was older, and I almost wish I hadn't gone because my house that I lived in, like, my memories of it are so, like, you know, my mom had tulips planted in front, and, you know, I went back when I was in my 20s, and it was super run down, and there was, like, three cars parked in the backyard, and I was just like, oh, no, where are yeah. the tulips? And so I, I wish I hadn't gone that back. storybook picture, all gone. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of nicer just to keep it a figment of my imagination, but anyway, okay, so you get to Pakistan, and so you grew up there, right? So, yes, yeah, so as soon as 
we got back to Pakistan, my father actually moved in with his brother, older brother, and uh, we lived, it was a joint family system. His mother and my uncle were downstairs with his whole family, and we were upstairs. So it was like mad growing up because I had uh, so many people around me all the time and little like only one of my cousins was older than me. The rest were all younger, my two siblings and then two, two, two other cousins. So it was a lot of, it was just a lot of fun to pick a party every day. Oh, I was so, going to say, did you think it was fun or did you want these people to give you some space? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I loved every minute of it because... Um, because they were younger than me, I could sort of push them around. I could make them do things. I, I even I ran a school for years, although it was always 50% attendance because the girls would make it, but the boys would never come. Oh I always had a way with girls, never with the, uh, with the boys. Uh, no luck with the boys. Thank God for arranged marriages, actually. <laughs> really bad. But uh, but the, but but it was it was just fun for me. Um, you know. Pushing them around, making them do things, and uh, just—it was a wonderful, um, happy uh, childhood. Uh, good energy. All the adults also got along, so it was very good energy. Oh, that's so nice. And so, w- during that time, like, were you artsy? Were you painting? Were you doing? Were you making stuff? Yes. So uh, that I love that question. You always ask it. I that. do. Yeah. I love that question because yes, uh, I was artsy from the very beginning. Uh, luckily, my family and uh, my parents are very, very encouraging. Um, uh, we, I even get all the uh, younger cousins and, and siblings to make, like you know, um, paintings and drawings and bookmarks and postcards, and then we'd have uh, uh, sales in the garden and make the adults buy all the stuff. Uh, one of my cousins, one of my uncles actually still has one of my drawings um, um, hanging in his house. Wow. I want to be famous someday. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's like a gold frame and everything. Um, oh, that's amazing. All, yeah, they were all in, incredibly encouraging. My parents, I think they were creative themselves, but their parents pushed them so hard to do more, you know, and practical things. Um, um, my grandfather was actually very, very, uh, he, he was very concerned about his kids getting really good education because he was um, a doctor himself. Mm. Uh, so I think he pushed my mother towards more, you know, practical things. My father as well, I always feel he has a very strong creative side. In fact, he used to bring us the most beautiful illustrated children's books. Mm. And I think that's one of the first things that sort of uh, sowed that seed in me to do more narrative storytelling type of work, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. First, that tells stories. I still today have those books. I even, I smuggled them here from, from Pakistan. I was like, uh, I, I didn't think about my siblings. I was like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I have the same thing. My mom is an artist, but she... Always made, I mean, all the books we had were so beautiful. Like they were watercolor illustrations or whatever, you know. And so, yeah, that seed was planted. So, what did your, what does your dad do? Like, is he? So, he, um, so initially he, he went into, um, uh, what do you call it? Police and stuff. Oh, okay. uh, I, you call it, it's, um, so it's, um, 
uh, ISI, uh, what is it uh, here, CIA, you know how CIA? Oh, yeah, yeah. So intelligence, intelligence bureau, I oh, think. Oh, my I, gosh. Uh, but but he didn't stay there for long because my grandmother, uh, with Pakistan, you have all this corruption stuff. And my grandmother was really worried that it was very corrupt, all of this stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, so she pushed him to get out of there. And then he went into business and uh, self-employment uh, because he had studied that. He studied uh, uh, business in uh, school. Okay, okay. And then so... he went into so you think that he's he's sort of the one that has like a, a lot of creativity in him? I think him and Ma both they have yeah. creativity in them, but they've just I think my father could have been he'll probably last few years, but I think he could have been very musical. Ah. He has wonderful voice, he sings so beautifully, but you rarely hear him and if you say anything like this to him, he'll start laughing to say, you know. um well and so did you so that's so great that they were encouraging and so I know you went to art school did you go to art school like right out of high school so yeah so um I drew and painted all my life and then uh, in school we were uh, we had a really good um art uh really good art teachers and um uh, uh, lots of um we had like art in A levels and stuff oh yeah yeah uh, so I did that as well, and they taught us uh, watercolor, which was uh, which is something I immediately took to, and I really really loved. Um, but as soon as I was done with school, so I did O levels and A levels, and then I went uh, to art college, one of the art colleges back home, which is quite popular, called uh, National College of Art. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a very, I think, why I really loved it and enjoyed it was because it was a very traditional school. You know, you had painting and sculpture and um, drafting and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, printmaking, I loved printmaking. The thing with, uh, uh, now there's, you know, like for example, I hear about your uh, experience and I think if I'd gone to a school like that, I would not have survived something like, you know, conceptual art and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because some of us, yeah, that this is what we like doing, you know, making things. And uh, NCA gave me that. My art college gave me that. Although I think I wasn't, I was a bit of a difficult student in the sense um, that I wouldn't, like, I wasn't that serious about it. Uh, I learned how to, you know, college was all about um, oil painting, you know, on large canvases right. and all of that. And I, I learned how to do that. I, I uh, uh Painted throughout my time, uh, throughout my time there. But what I enjoyed more was the people I found there. I like, I found my people. Yeah. My, my tribe or whatever you call it. And uh, I think I had more fun in college than. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I think that is what college is also for. You do a right? lot of fun growing up in college, for sure. Exactly. So, so I think college was more that for me than anything else. But I did. I loved printmaking. Maybe. Do you still do printmaking at all? No, I wish I could, but it's so hard to sort of. The thing with printmaking is the studio and the yeah. craft and all of that stuff. So, yeah, that's why I didn't even think of going into it in uh, college. Because uh, I did, when I, in my, in my first year, when we did do it as a minor, I did fall in love with it. But uh, I, and I also always loved painting, obviously. But I knew that it would be easier to continue painting. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. I loved printmaking too, so, so much. And I did minor in it. Um, like I wasn't as smart as you. I didn't think through the fact that, you know, these state-of-the-art presses that <laughs> you have at school and it's like, then you graduate. Like, oh, now I don't have now anything. What? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, oh my gosh, I would love to see what you do now. Like with even lino cut, like all your patterns and everything you do. It'd be oh. amazing. There has to be some community thing that you could... I I do keep an eye out, uh, especially in Vancouver. I know there are, like, you know, there are community centers. They often have... uh, Yeah. So I keep my eye out, uh, keep my eye open for... Because I'll probably have to do a course now to sort of revise. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also keep looking out for residencies. I think a residency would be amazing. Yeah, that would be cool. You could just dip yourself right in and just be immersed in it for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So even even something like you know, line up is actually something I could uh I could just sort of take up now and do it at home even. Yeah. And I and I did try, but you still have to gather like inks and stuff. <laughs> you know, printmaking. I I I took it. I took uh, I got um one of those uh I don't know what you call them, the things that you carve the line up something. Um, and I did a carving. And I used acrylic paint to try and print. And did it just dry in two seconds? Yeah. 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 You know how acrylic is. I know. So, so, so I should have that plate lying around. I think I should uh, get proper, you know, just black printmaking. It's, yeah. It's so quite expensive, but yeah, I, I should get black. You should, because it, I just, I mean, it's so neat that I'm not surprised at all that you loved it. Like, looking at your work yeah. now, like, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, it'd be just so cool to see what you would do. Um, okay, so I have one other family question. Was Is your grandfather still alive, or was he when you were at school? So my grandfather passed away before, right before I was like, conceived, almost. Oh, okay. Uh, he was very interesting. He fought against the fascists in Spain during the I think, World War II. Uh, he got lost there for a little while, um, sent with all these crazy people. Um, so... I was asking, I was telling Abed, there was an article that came out about him not too long ago um, by another uh, a doctor student of his uh, saying how interesting this, this guy was. And I was like, you know, do you suppose um, I was conceived right around the time he passed, passed away? So do you suppose I'm like his reincarnation? <gasps> and, and Abed was like, no, I think he found out you were coming. And he just, he was like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious well that was my question if you like if he was pushing you know for like these practical things because he was a doctor I was like I wonder what he thought about a granddaughter going to art school I know no I think he was his, even his eldest daughter went to art school but I think he was a little disappointed with what came out of it like you know I think she got married and then she never really continued with it okay so I think with my mother he just he was like I she she has the potential to do all these things I want to make her do. Right, you know, right. Something more serious. Yeah, that but, makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so you've tried for me. So you're doing your oil paintings, but were you still doing watercolor at art school too? Um, or so, no? So, so no. Um, I did uh, watercolor last in school, and I don't think I touched it till I moved to Vancouver, actually. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because you were um, you were there, you like you stayed in Pakistan for a while after you finished school, right? Because you you had a full, like, yeah. art career there, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I I was in uh, 
Pakistan for at least, I think, uh, six, seven years, if not more, after, yeah. after college. Um, and yeah, I was, I was painting um, one of my... Um, so right out of right after college, uh, I had like a bit of a tough time because I had been really really lost and didn't know what to do because you know college has all these I don't know there's there's advisors there's feedback you have students around you who you can talk to and stuff yeah. and you have and assignments too you have like you're being guided and you know yeah exactly outlines and all of this kind of stuff and suddenly I didn't have anybody although I. I, I traveled a little bit and then I got myself a studio and I settled down to paint. But I think also there are all these preconceived notions in your head after college that it needs to be large and it needs to be canvas with oil paint and all of these kind of things, which were sort of, I think, weighing down on me. And I was trying too hard. And then I was thinking about all these important things happening around me, like politics and social issues and all that kind of stuff. So the work I made was horrible. I've hidden it. It's nowhere to be seen. <laughs> I went to I went to one of my even went to one of my art advice advisors in, in college and uh she was like, Yeah, you regressed in art school Um but she suggested that I go back to what uh my strengths are like facial expressions and uh body language and all of that kind of thing. So she she was like, start drawing again and I went immediately went back to paper. Hmm. I went back to paper, which I've always loved, and I went back to basic stuff like pen and ink and charcoal, and uh, through that, and then also to the, the stories that used to inspire me in college, the, the everyday things that ha- were happening around me, my observations, my dreams, uh, sometimes I'd use for my, um, especially for my uh, college um, uh, final year project, I went back to those things, so, hmm. you know, these more serious. Um, and um, and I started enjoying it again, and uh, started finding my language and vocabulary. Um, that was uh, yeah, that was it. then I started sort of picking up. Um, uh, it, it started things started getting better. Um, I think I um, uh, that is the first time I had a proper show as well. Oh, okay. Two three years later, I think. Yeah, more maybe like 2012, I think. Um, and was that was that was work on paper? Yeah. So even then, it, although it was work on paper, it was basically mostly charcoal hmm. and pen and ink, and then there was a little, like a few washes of um, ink. Hmm. I got myself inks, and I used to, I used to like the way they, you know, they moved on paper. So sometimes I do like these really. I think it was also printmaking inspired. You know, those flat washes. Yep. Yeah. I used to enjoy those, and illustrations also have them. So I started, and Japanese prints I've always loved. Mm-hmm. So they came from there as well. So I started doing that. And then that, from there on, I think slowly the watercolor started coming back. Yeah. And so when you were showing there, um, like, did you have a day job, or were you just working as an artist then? So, yeah, that's something I've been able to get away with for forever. I don't know how. <laughs> Get away with um, no, yeah, no day job. Uh, I think the best thing. I think um, back home there's still this. Uh, there's also I think that's why parents are in like my class mostly had females. There was just uh, maybe two boys in the painting department. Oh, okay. Um, I think back home in, in I mean in Pakistan there's still this thing of um, the man the the, the 
husband is the man of the house and he provides type of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like totally, yeah. <laughs> so I think parents are like, yeah, go ahead. Do painting. Why not? And then you can continue painting and you don't have to worry about anything and we can get you married off and then you, you know. Um, right. It's all good. <laughs> uh, although it's changing pretty quickly. I mean, all my friends around me, they, they work. Um, but uh, there is, I think there is that, which is why you find more females in, in our, I mean, NCA was one of them, is one of the main art schools back home, but you find more uh, females in the, especially in the fine arts. Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you that so that, um, I mean, okay, so you're showing things, but did you, because you know here there's a lot of the things about, you know, there's not a lot of equal representation, like a lot of the galleries are more, you know, male artists are featured more than female. And so there, was it the opposite? Were there a lot, like, were the galleries filled with female artists then? I wish it was like that. Oh, okay. So, so, so oh, I see, I was hoping, I was like, oh my God, we're all moving to Pakistan. We're Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish it was like that. There are a lot of females uh, from my college who are working, who are doing lots of wonderful things. But they're still, at the end of the day, because of that whole thing of, you know, getting married and then having children, a lot of females leave it. They don't okay. Leave it uh, and I think that's probably why you, you see a lot of female artists, but there is, I think there's still probably, uh, maybe there is, it's maybe better than here, but there's still a lot of, because the males with the, that whole thing of, you know, if they have to uh, provide for the household, they're going to. Uh, be pushing far more, right? Right, right. The girls are going to sort of be okay with, you know, okay, I'm married and I'm going to have children now. Then that there is that. Huh. Um, and so, what but, did you think of all of that? Were you in your head? Were you like, yep, yeah, I'll just dabble in painting until I get married and have kids? No. So for me, my I think my father also didn't push me too much to work because he he's always believed that I'm going to get somewhere with this. Okay. And, and luckily, Abed is the same way. They both have this thing, like... That's your husband? Have, that's my husband. Yeah. Like, he also, he has no problem with me, uh, with me work, uh, with me not uh, going out to work and getting, you know, uh, uh, bring money in. Yeah. But as long as he sees me working, and he sees me working all the time. Yeah. So, so I think it was similar with my with my dad and he is in fact said to Abid when, when when I moved here as long as she's painting she'll be okay it won't matter to her that she's moved from Lahore to Vancouver <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, with that that way I've been lucky so it is like I said it is changing even back home um, you know it's hard to sort of uh, it's hard for couples to keep going without with just one income coming in yeah yeah I know yeah so, for everybody um okay and so did you guys how did you guys meet how did you meet your husband um so luckily uh usually i used to get really annoyed with my parents when they tried to set me up Uh, (laughs) because everybody around me was doing fine you know my both my siblings found their spouses is that how it is yeah spouses on their own uh, most of my friends got married to, you know, guys in college, guys in college, or guys they met in college, and there I was, completely useless with all of this stuff, really bad. Uh, but I also, I was, 
I had never had a rebellious side in me, a rebellious streak in me. Well, except when you tried to run across to the park. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, maybe it was squashed out of you at that moment. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it was always a slight one was always there. Tiny one was always there. But my, uh, this is, when it came to this whole marriage thing, which is quite old school, a lot of it is quite old school back home still in the sense that, you know, that's what you're expected to do. You go to college and afterwards, okay, it's time to get married. And I used to find that very annoying. I didn't understand why that was like a done, like it had to be a done thing. Like it was, it it had to be a part of your life or whatever. Um, And I was uh, painting and showing and selling work as well. So I was, uh, I was thinking, I'm doing fine. (laughs) What's the problem? I can take care of myself. Yeah. Uh, But because the culture is such, uh, my parents were wanting me to meet guys at least. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't dating anybody. They were like, you know, please meet guys. Um, and I found, uh, I, uh, it used to be really funny when, uh, when my uh, one did, you know, set me up with guys. And at some point, three, four later, years later, three, four years down the lane, I was like, okay, this is never going to work out. But somehow I got this email um, from my now husband and I read that email and I immediately knew that this was going to work. There was something, either he's just really good at writing, <laughs> I don't know what, but I just, I had that sense uh, that it was, something was going to come out of it. And uh, that was like my parents trying for quite a few years, I think, at least five years. Oh, wow. uh, so, so finally one worked. Wow, that's <laughs> crazy. Uh, he was he was living in Vancouver. I was uh, living in Lahore, Pakistan, and uh, he, he, we were emailing for a little while. And then you know how it is with Skype and WhatsApp and all of these things. We started chatting, and uh, and that's it. And then uh, he came to see me after two months. Then we got engaged. Wow! We met up in uh, Dubai. Dubai. Yeah. Every month here. Um, and we had a wonderful week there, just hanging, hanging out, chilling, getting to know each other. And then three months after that, we got married. Whoa. <laughs> and then did you move to Vancouver right after you got married? Right after. <gasps> like, oh my God, that's so much all at once. Yeah, it's pretty too. And you know, Daniel, I have like the worst decision making. <laughs> I can never make any decisions in my life. Like it takes me... Three hours to decide which pizza we're gonna get. Oh no, my sister um, is my sister is exactly the same way. That's so funny. <laughs> but but think sometimes certain things just immediately sort of. I never I don't remember ever having like any kind of worry or anxiety about getting married to him. Uh, wow. Which was such a nice feeling. Uh, I had anxiety about moving here because I'd never even come to North America, let alone uh, Vancouver. Wow. But. Uh, what year was this? This is uh, January 2014. Wow. And so what did you think when you got to Vancouver? Oh, my God. At first, I saw these um, uh, number car number plates, and then they all said beautiful BC, and I was like, they're rather full of themselves. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what is that? But then I started to get to know the city, and it's stunning. It's so beautiful. <sighs> I was like, yeah, that's right. What did you think of the rain? The rain, yeah. 
when I came, it was, you know, I mean, I came in January, so yeah. it was wet, and it was dull, but snow, for some reason, it's just so exciting to be in snow, or be around Yeah. Snow, for me at least. Well, and I, you were I, newly in love too, that helps. Yeah, that really helped, I think, uh, just getting to know him at that time was very helpful, and, um, and then I was also very lucky I got some connections from back home that gave me a sort of a group of friends here, um, which obviously makes things better. Right. Um, and um, and yeah, I, Vancouver is sort of easy to love. At least for me, it was. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right. Maybe it's also to do with the fact that, you know, um, I got to know him here. And yeah. Him. Well, it is a lovely place. Like we moved... I met my husband in Toronto and then, but I was from, I'd never lived in Vancouver, but I was from the West and I didn't want to stay in Ontario. And so we got married and then came out West and moved to Vancouver. And uh, yeah, there's just so many nice things. I mean, the rain never really bothered me and, but there's so many nice things about it. And um, you have certainly like, I can't believe it's only been a few, four years. You've really like found your place. It seems like. Yes. I, I'm constantly grateful because I don't know how it happened. Initially, I um, I, I thought, okay, I should volunteer to sort of figure out what the art community is like here because I had no idea. Initially, I was, you know, worried about my work and how I'm going to do this. I mean, so far away from Pakistan, it was hard to continue things back there as well. Um, but also, I got this a lot of time on my own. Like I said to you, initially, like in, in Pakistan, I was constantly surrounded by people all the time. Right. But my work was very slow. Although I was constant and uh, I was um, consistent, it was very slow because I was very distracted by friends and, and then school friends and college friends and cousins and family. So when, um, um, at this point, we weren't living, uh, we weren't still living with my uncle, but we still, you know, we, we were also five. So it was, I lived in a house full of five, uh, full of four other grown-ups, and then they had their social lives and friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so here, when I came here, I got like complete um, quiet time to sort of concentrate on my work. And, and did you like that? I loved it. Oh. I was painting IKEA cupboards that Arbit had from before, and and random like pieces of cardboard and like cereal boxes. I was painting everything in the house. His old cabinet, which was like from his father's uh, office or something. You know, one of those awful green. Yeah, yeah. I even painted that. I I was painting everything. Oh my God, no Um, wonder you love Madi so much. Oh yeah, I know. (laughs) Why, exactly. Right, she painted that whole little cottage. (laughs) Yeah, and I was at one point losing his mind thinking, oh my God, what's next, me? so interesting that that's when watercolors came back in because Vancouver in my mind is a very watercolory place because 
of the rain and the way the sky looks sometimes and the mountains and the water like it is kind of a perfect kind of watercolor looking place like is that why like what what made you start playing with watercolor I think I think also um moving here made me sort of um you know the whole the, the college hangups I was talking about I think I shed more of them when I moved here um I was initially actually trying to do these yet again you know going on to large surfaces I'm going to go big and I had uh, old like crayons and color pencils and those kind of dry mediums and I was making these really large drawings mm-hmm. and uh, and then when I looked at them and showed them to a couple of people they weren't doing it again so I realized I'd gotten I'd fallen into that college hang up again you mm-hmm. know art has to be big you have to be a certain way and it'll get me into Again. Yeah, it has to be big and important, or you know, big and important. yeah, yeah, and serious, yeah, serious, and, serious. Mm-hmm. And, and it'll get me into you know galleries and museums or whatever. That's silly notion that you. I, I mean, I at least drop into every little while. I'm trying to keep myself a little stable, but sometimes <laughs> that happens. <laughs> I think it happens to everybody, but yeah. Yeah. So I was doing those, and um, and although I like them, I actually really like some of them. But uh, they still weren't, there was still that trying too hard thing coming into them. And, um, and I was like, forget this. I'm going to get myself, I think I went to Opus and I found uh, watercolor tubes and I just picked them up. Um, and I was like, I'm going to just go really small on this lovely paper that I found. Um, really thick uh, arches, arches of uh, 640. Mm-hmm. How so big were the pieces? Uh, so these were really small. I tore the paper down. They're like 12 inches by 8 inches. Okay. Or some of them. And I started just putting down, literally putting down ideas with watercolor on them. And I'd leave like some strange negative spaces here and there. And um, there were all these ideas were coming from all sorts of different places. I usually go into, um, like, they usually come from conversations I've had with people or um, all my observations of everyday ordinary things or even books sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, and I started they give me visuals so I put them down as like these pictures and I think uh, that's when I realized it did not matter to me how like I like getting into these smaller spaces um, and I love using um, you know, these watercolor mediums that are sort of loose and just go wherever you want them to go, but you can tighten them up as well. Mm-hmm. There's both of those uh, uh, both those things to work with. And I can use uh, pencils in there as well if I want. So the layers are a lot of fun for me to do with, uh, with this particular medium and with paper. And did you just feel like a relief when you kind of tapped into all this? Yeah. Yeah. Huge relief. Yeah. Uh, huge relief. And then... Um, um, I met up with uh, Penny Lane. <laughs> and, uh, she's awesome, and she uh, she cleared a lot of things up from you know. The, that's the best part. That was the good thing about my advisor as well. Some people tend to see your sense and uh, push you towards them. Yeah. And yeah, because when you're in it, it can get a bit fuzzy. Like you're not sure what. It, you know which direction you're supposed to go in, but somebody like Penny Lane shows up and just goes turn right. Yeah. 
Exactly. And it's so funny. It's right under your nose and you yeah. just don't see it sometimes. Yep. And she was like, look, if you put them all together, it becomes like the whole world that you're trying to depict. And she, she, all she'd done was just put the smaller pieces together. <laughs> yeah, man, this is awesome. When was that? How long ago was that? Uh, this was, uh, so my first two years here, I was just trying to figure things out. Uh, I even volunteered at the Contemporary Art Gallery for mm-hmm. a bit and felt lost there. Like, oh my God, there's no painting in Vancouver. I want to die. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then I discovered Thrive, which was amazing for me. I think it was a complete shortcut, which is why I think you find me here, even. Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of found my found my people again. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah. So I must have met uh, met Benny in end of 2016, maybe. Yeah, because I noticed like. Just in the last little while, your work has blossomed. Like, it is just so good. Like, I love narratives, and I love dream worlds, and patterns, and, like, you've created this amazing, like, it's like getting a peek into this really weird place that is kind of scary, (laughs) and kind of beautiful, and you just... Like, I want to know all of the things that are happening in that little world. Thank you so much, Dania. That, that really means a lot to me. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's just so fun. Well, okay, we're going to... Oh, I keep wanting to jump to your mural because it was... Well, you know, it was my fave in the whole <laughs> festival. And, and there was so many good works in there. But I couldn't believe that you somehow made your beautiful little... Um, watercolor cover the whole side of like a whole building crazy. not in watercolor you did it in house paint but it looks like watercolor like, I'm gonna put all of this in the post that I do that goes with this episode because people have to see it it is insane and um yeah it, it was just so good and so um I before I go and ask you all about that I wanted to ask like I think I read somewhere either that or I'm just making it up because it you know, suits me, but, um, like, you're, you've got sort of lots of weird creatures and stuff, and there's bodies, and there's things happening, do you have, like, a, in your mind, kind of, like, a chart of what those things mean, like, a wolf means this, or a whatever means this, like, a chair means this, or do you just create the world as you go, or how does it all work? So, yeah, I have lots of these ideas in my head, I, I can, I can actually, I can tell you how this sort of come about, um, so a lot of the ideas are already in my head, what certain things mean. Mm-hmm. And then I also uh, like the like the looseness of them in the sense that, you know, anybody can look at them and find their own meaning in them. Yeah. But usually they, uh, like I said, they usually come from conversations and that kind of stuff. So, so I'll have, I can give you an example of a conversation, for example. Um, uh, so, so my husband and I were talking and I randomly asked, him how he'd feel if I give if I give birth and I give birth this is like a year or two ago two, two years ago maybe if I give birth and instead of giving birth to a baby I give birth to kittens how he'd feel about that kittens yeah like lobster <laughs> like you know a little and he was like uh, for a change he humored me and uh, he was like well it'd be very difficult because then we'd have to have a huge house that too in Vancouver of all places because you can't give your own kittens away 
So the larger works is it's um that you use the collaging and stuff to make your plan. Like yeah. your final piece doesn't have collage in it, right? No. Okay, no, okay, final, got the it. Final, uh, the final piece is all watercolor. Yeah. So far, they're all complete watercolor. And how big are they now? Like, cause they're not they're not tiny, but they're not huge. Yeah, they're about so twenty inches by thirty inches. Yeah, so yeah. Going, so That's pretty uh, big I, for a watercolor. Yeah, yeah, and um, I just I fell in love with this paper, so I've been using that a lot. But I've found recently that they're very hard to frame because the paper is so uh, heavy oh. that it sort of drops inside the frame if you don't do a very hardcore job of using linen tape to stick it and stuff. Ah. So, so now I'm trying to use uh, a lighter paper, which is working just as well for me. And the good thing about that is that you can find rolls of that paper. Oh boy! So I, then I can actually one more time, <laughs> or probably not one more time. Uh, try going big. Yeah. Well, now that you've done a wall, it's like I yeah. just picture you rolling out that whole roll and being like, "Here we go." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, they have given me that encouragement that you know it is possible for these kind of narratives, maybe even to stay small but go on a you know become a really large world. Yeah, uh, I love that. I love that so much. So I'm thinking about that, and then I'm also thinking about uh, gouache. Paint. Oh, have you never used gouache before? Not really. So oh, I, boy, I love yeah, it so much. Yeah, it's such a good feeling, right? Gouache, yeah. I don't know what it is about it. And, and, and then it's that flatness that it gives you. Yeah, I, my thing that I love about it so much is that you can make it really flat, and it's almost, it's so matte that it's almost chalky. But then you can add, like, you can do, you know, water and add, like, a little touch and have, you know, those blooms of just watery. So you can still have your watercolor stuff. And the colors are so vibrant. Oh, man. I love Between it, this yeah. and the printmaking and the giant rolls. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's going to be crazy. Um, okay, one more thing before I keep going here is patterns. Because that's sort of part of your vocabulary, too. Where do all your patterns come from? Is there any, like, nod to Pakistan, or is it just things that you see in your daily life? So, so definitely Pakistan. Like, yeah. everything around me there. So, so, so Lahore is not beautiful like Vancouver, but it had its, it had its own charm where it's, like, really color, colorful. Um, 
culturally is very colorful and then like even if you go into mosques they're full of patterns right clothes are full of patterns and our trucks and rickshaws everything is like so you know vibrant yeah colorful uh so i think it it originates from there i just have always loved loved patterns and i like i love incorporating so i think a lot of my work especially the more the, uh, the more recent work is like a mixture of both the cities yeah and, it really is yeah there's like a lot of nature and trees and all of this stuff but then there's also these vibrant patterns well and it seems too like um almost like mythology mythology is that the yeah. word? Yes. Um, because it seems like there's like sort of like, sometimes there's weird sort of demon things and like godlike things mixed with the human figures. And like there's so much weird storytelling that seems just completely like, yeah, like godlike or something. Yeah, I think uh, that, that must be there for sure. Um, uh, godlike creatures. And I think especially the animal mixes with the, with the yeah. people. I think that comes from. I'm sure you see you do you do this or you see this as well in your friends and stuff. You see an animal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because we're very similar in a lot of ways, and I think that it these animals mixed with human creatures are definitely coming from there. Seeing animals and people, or people and animals even. Yeah, yeah. We have so many like back in Lahore, I have like three dogs in the house, and then here I have a cat. So uh, and I've had growing up so, so I think you see you, you look at them and you see their expressions and they're, they're so sometimes human like yeah it's true so it's crazy so I think uh, the animal mix they, they come from there and then and then, and then a lot of like if there's a villain in my head uh, which comes from you know I, I'm I'm seeing somebody somebody um, uh, being treated badly by their I don't know by their friends or their uh, cousins or their in-laws or whatever, I'll turn them into these like villainous three-headed creatures. Like I was once thinking about my cousin and how her in-laws weren't treating her well. I, I don't know if I should say this on, but, but yeah, <laughs> they were. And so the, the two sisters-in-law and the mom-in-law, I turned her into this de- the three-headed demon. I said, okay, I better now, I'll take her out. Um, so, so stuff like that, a lot of it is sort of like to you know, when something's really annoying, you sort of take it out. Yeah. You know what? I love this so much. And, and like, calling back to something you said about, um, like, university days where, you know, like, all the political things, especially right now, given the political climate right now, like, there's this pressure that, you know, oh, the work should be big and it should be talking about an important issue. And, and sometimes... I mean, that works for some artists and that's amazing and wonderful for society, but for some artists that doesn't work. And I think when you go inward, um, like I know it's worked for me, it's obviously worked for you. When you're telling your stories and like just observing life around you and and having that power of going, oh, there's this, you know, awkward situation that's going on with these people I know, it gives you the power to go, I'm going to turn this into a three-headed thing. And it lets you get it out of your head and onto paper and you can kind of deal with it and I think there's there is so much importance and power in that I don't think it always has to be about politics and issues like I think there's so much power in creating those narratives and sharing your own story you know exactly I mean I think um I think it's really good because it's like a starting point for a dialogue right I mean a lot of people are like just suffering not saying anything and you 
put something like this out there and at least they can talk about it and then something will come up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it starts the conversations. Well, I just, I feel like you have found, like, it's so exciting to watch because we actually met at Girl Crush. Yeah. Well, no, I did Girl Crush in Vancouver. And um, uh, when was that? The beginning of 2016, maybe? Was that 2017? Uh, 2017, yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like, just like watching you since then has just been so exciting. Like, you know, just being with your people and playing around and pushing yourself and, you know, saying yes to Mural Fest. Like, you know, it's just, it's just watching you evolve is so exciting. And I'm just so happy for you because it's like, just so many good things are ahead. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think, uh, so, so, I've been a very, like, I, it's, like I'm a very comfort zone type of person. Yeah. I like my studio, being on my own, because I've discovered it very recently since I moved here. So I think I hold it very close to me. I, I This is what I love. This is what I want to do. But at the beginning of this year, I promised myself I'm going to stop saying no to everything and sort of, sort of go with the flow a bit. Yeah. Instead of, you know, getting hung up on uh, these little things like, you know, okay, I've now I want to now now I want a bigger gallery or or a bigger show or whatever all of those typical things that you sort of uh, I think feel I like know, you're supposed to want yeah you're supposed to want they forget that and sort of let yourself go and uh, let your work decide where it needs to go and I think as soon as I decided that the, the mural offer came in. <laughs> and that was just, I was like, I have to say yes. Yeah. I can't say no to that. I felt exactly the same way. I so badly wanted to say no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know you and I were emailing because we were like, oh my God. Yeah. We were both so, I felt so much better knowing that you were just as scared as I was because I was like, exactly. okay, okay. <laughs> and um, and then you just did such a beautiful job. But um, I just wanted to read one and you know what I'm you know where I'm going here I want to read one chunk of your I guess it's part of your artist statement and then we're going to discuss it okay I scrutinize the repulsion and beauty found in ordinary spaces and situations and question the normalcy of the seemingly mundane matters in life for example how a man inside a woman leads to the birth of another human turning the woman into a mound of soil in which a human germinates like a plant from a seed and in the process disfigures the woman to the limits of possibility. So when did you write that? I think I wrote that about a year and a half ago. Okay, and now you're four and a half months pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud because I already knew that you were pregnant. And then I was getting ready for the interview and I thought, oh, I'll just grab her artist statement and see what it says. And I laughed out loud because I was like, huh. so I wonder how she feels, my little mound of soil. <laughs> Last year, all I could think about was, because I was thinking about like this stage of life because I have seen a lot of my friends, as you can imagine. Um, a lot of them got married soon after college. I've seen a lot of them have children and do this whole thing, and it seems really, really hard, and I hear stories all the time from around me from them, and um, I kept thinking, can I do this? Can I be one of those people who can say, okay, no, I don't want kids. I will be fine without this experience. And um, I realized I couldn't be one of those people unfortunately yeah. or fortunately I don't know um, I just 
I always thought of this. I mean, even in college, I had this really strange dream that I actually um, made a painting off for my final year project. And I had this strange dream where I had um, a tiny, you know how jelly beans are? Jelly beans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, like yeah, I had a baby the size of that. And it was a, and, and, and I was really young. So, so I decided I wanted to party with my cousins and have some fun. So my cousin suggested that I put it in my lip gloss box. And I put the little tiny baby in my lip gloss box. And I was like, okay, I'm fine now. I can go and have, part, ha, have my fun. And when I came back to it, obviously it had disappeared. It had it had probably dissipated because like a jelly bear. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> a living jelly bear baby. A jelly bean baby. So, 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 so it, it wasn't, it, it's always something that I knew I'd try out at some point. And I just felt like this is it. Either I do it now or, or I don't. Right. And I think I hold the, the last year was spent thinking about all of this. And that's why you have that in your <laughs> statement as well. <laughs> and so, okay, so speaking now, like as a mother myself, don't put this baby in a lip gloss box. I know. Okay? <laughs> like, just, I think that's like rule number one. Like, they don't, don't put them in there. Um, and so, I know you're feeling really good because you were saying at the mural festival, you were just feeling like so powerful and amazing. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been feeling really good because Touchwood so far, the pregnancy has been pretty, uh, pretty okay. Um, it's been, I mean, you know, you saw me doing the mural. I was so like, okay, with this, doing that much activity. I haven't been that active all my life. I was yeah. the last of my family who didn't want to do anything <laughs> other than draw. I mean, it was hard to get me out of the house to do any kind of sports or athletic stuff. And they were all athletic. So, so I, I was one of those uh, lazy people. And at this point in my life, I'm like doing the mural and there's a lot of that energy involved and all of that. So, so, so I have been feeling pretty good touch wood. I don't want to speak too soon. Um, but I do have those, I definitely do have those freak out moments where I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? So all those things that I thought about in the past couple of years, you know, when you sort of, Ah, how am I going to do this? You know, the best um, thing to do is not think about it. Yeah. Because so, it is what it is. I, I keep joking that I want, like, when Charlie was a baby, I was reading every book, trying to figure out this little creature. Well, even when I was pregnant, I was like, what have I done? Oh, my God. And I'm reading all these things. And uh, and then when he was a baby, like, my friend's babies were sleeping, and he wasn't sleeping, and I thought I was doing something wrong. And I am, I, I am determined to write a book that is one page that you open it up and it just says, just roll with it. <laughs> just roll with it. There's That's nothing you can, like, this kid's <laughs> going to show up and he or she is going to be who they are and you can be as prepared as you want. Like, they're, you know, like, it is what it is and it's going to be great. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, I, it, it gives me a lot of comfort when I hear you speak about Charlie um, because it just, it makes me feel like, yeah, you know, there are people, creative people out there who are still doing what they love doing and they've enjoyed their kids so Yeah, much. absolutely. And I think, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day that, you know, the thing is they're only little for a short time. So even if you take like a bit of time to just 
be with them, yeah. it's fine. You, you've got decades and decades to make art. And there's lots of things you can do when, you know, you are sleep deprived. And um, one of the things I've suggested to people, and I did this because somebody suggested this to me, was that I just kept like a little sort of journal thing. And when he was napping or whatever, I would just jot down all of my ideas. And then by the time you come out, of, you know, by the time they're like, too, and you know you've got a little like they start preschool or whatever you've got a little bit of time suddenly you've got this treasure box yeah. you know in this journal of all these things that like because you're so sleep deprived sorry to say but you don't remember anything right like I, I even look back at the like, journals that I kept like funny things Charlie did and I'm like it's like reading a book about someone else. I'm like, I do not even recall that happening. <laughs> but if you use that time to like, you're going to have crazy dreams and crazy moments with this new baby. And if you just keep track of all that creatively, and it doesn't yeah. need to be a show, it doesn't need to be anything, but just keep track of all of it as like this little treasure trove. Then when you're ready, you can access it all. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I know yeah. yeah. And I think you're going to, I mean, the fact that the way that your work is, you're going to, and a lot of really successful women who are artists and mothers very often will work their experiences as a mother into their work in some way. Like yeah. you can use it as fuel, you know, and uh, I can't wait to see what you, what you do. Yeah. I think a lot of people were, because it's, it's my, my narrative has been so weird in the past. Uh, a lot of people were thinking, like, especially, I mean, I think also at the beginning of it, you don't feel so much, right? No. So so you, you don't, uh, it doesn't occur to you to sort of, at least to me, it doesn't occur to me to sort of start working around it. But I can imagine as the mound of sort of grows, <laughs> there'll be more ideas. And then, yeah, with, with, with the baby, uh, I'm sure there'll be, but it's so good to hear in a lot of the podcasts when you're talking to ladies who, to artists who have, um, who, who have kids or who are having kids and have little kids and they're still doing everything. Yeah. Such a, like, you know, doing their naps, they'll do things yep. or they'll find ways and it's just such a good, good feeling. Like it always gives me so much encouragement. You know, and, and you're going to be set because when I was going through all of that, I had moved out to Steveston. Um, all of my friends were mom friends, so I didn't know any creative people. Um, and they were great friends to have for help, uh, you know, like baby questions and stuff. But I had no creative outlet and I felt really lost and really alone and not really sure what to do until he was about two or three and I did the artist way. And that opened me up and that got me starting to meet people, but you've already got your tribe. Like you've got your people, I know. you know, like you're in a really yeah. good spot. That way it makes me feel good. Um, that, you know, I have, like I moved to Vancouver four years ago. So now I have like a bit of a support system. Yeah. And, uh, people around me and, and things are, even with work, things are sort of in, like in the zone, which, yeah. Is, which yeah, feels, definitely feels good. Yeah, um, no, you're going to be, you are going to be just fine. And if you already have crazy dreams, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a crazy dreamer. And when, when, uh, right at the end of my pregnancy, it was just like the most insane dreams. And then when he was a baby too, because your sleep is sort of broken up, right? So you're never getting into these really deep sleeps. So you know how you have the craziest dreams right before you wake up? Yeah. You're always about to wake up. Yeah, <laughs> and so, exactly. And so um, you should write all that stuff down because it's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah. 
And yeah. I've heard about this dream thing. And uh, dreams are awesome, aren't they? Yes. Like weird, wacko dreams are so awesome. Well, you know what's so funny? Because you said, didn't you say that your your last big piece at university was based on a dream? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one that I just told you about. Yeah, the... yeah. Okay, and so that's what I did too. My final thesis, like my final show, was based on dreams because I had so many crazy dreams so I just kept a journal by my bed and then I would and so the you know the story I always tell about how I should never paint again yeah yeah. those were the pieces wow (laughs) because um that crit started well I thought they were pretty good well I mean and the week before the prof had loved them and then the week after he hated the, like the exact same painting. Yeah, it was, was crazy. Yeah, it was just all crazy. Yeah, but was it was, it all started because one kid in my class, so I'm telling this story about these dreams and blah, blah, blah. And the dream that I had that I based all of this around was that I was at an opening in New York and I was wearing a black dress and I was standing at the front of the gallery looking out at the street and I was welcoming all these people into the show. Like, Oh, nice to see you. Nice to see you. And you know, yellow cabs pulling up and people getting out and, and then I realized it was my show, and I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know what the work looks like. And so I turned around to look at it to see what I was showing, and, um, and I woke up right after that, and so I sketched it all. And then I made that work. And so, and so I tell this story at the beginning of the crit, and this little asshole that was in my class said, um, well, it doesn't look very dreamlike. And I'm like, well, no, no, it's not meant to be dreamlike. I'm just telling you that I got the idea from a dream. And then everyone jumped on the band. If you're trying to create ethereal pieces, then blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, but I... What the, blah. Oh, my God. I, I can't imagine. That makes... It, it makes me really mad when I think about these kind of stories. Like, anybody who goes through these kind of moments in their lives, because it's already hard. Like, you're already fighting yourself when you're doing all this. When you're young too, right? So you're already insecure. But you know, I was just thinking about this the other day that I know I begrudge art school a lot. And I I don't mean to in that, for me, I had a bad experience. However, it has led to four books and good things have come out of it that wouldn't have otherwise. And I don't think that art school, I I was thinking about this heading into this new season of the podcast that I was like, I just want to be clear that I don't think art school is a bad thing. At yeah. all. I think art school is amazing. I would love to go back now and do my master's at the right school for me. That's you know, yeah, like some people, conceptual schools completely work for them. Other yeah. people, you know, I needed a more technical. I wanted to learn how to do this stuff. Yeah. And so I was thinking about, I just wanted, just, I'm clearing, I'm clearing the record on the first podcast of the season. I don't hate art school. <laughs> oh, there, I feel so much better. Okay. No, but I, I think I understood that. Uh, it, it, to me, it was very clear that it was that particular art school just wasn't right for you. And that's the thing. It's weird, but um, I think here there's such a huge choice of uh, art schools, and you, I guess, you really have to do your research. You that really have to do. Yeah, I tell kids that all the time. It's like, don't just pick a school. Like, talk to some students that went there. Like you know, yeah. go and chat with the teachers, like see what the classes are like. And before you spend all that money, yeah. you know, and potentially put yourself through an emotional landmine, like go, go figure it out. You know, I just wasn't yeah. smart enough to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, back home, uh, I keep saying back home now, Vancouver's home too, but yeah. uh, Pakistan, uh, we don't have that many choices, you know, with our schools. The, the one that I went to was one of the main ones. Right. 
And then now we have a newer one, which is more conceptual, like, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but there isn't that much of a choice. So you just go. Right. You go to art <laughs> and school, and this is, the way, this is where you're going. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. where you're going. <laughs> Um, but yeah, here it's such a choice, so I guess you really have to do your... Yeah. I was, um, I, I went to UVic for marine biology and, because I was trying to be practical. Yeah. And then I switched <laughs> to fine art, but I didn't switch schools. I just switched programs. And I, I mean, I'd done all sorts of research to find out that that was a great school for biology and I should have done the same thing, but my parents were living in Europe and I was 18 or 19 and the thought of like moving by myself to a different city to a different school I was already like so cozy and settled in residence and like I had my college friends and I was like yeah I think I'm just gonna stay right here thank you yeah yeah but anyway if you know I don't think I'd do it again I've learned so much and and you know it's resulted in this and this life that I have now is the greatest joy I can't ever you know I pinched myself all the time that this is my life and it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't taken the crazy course that I you know been on so yeah, no, I think that definitely that's the that's the best way to look at anything in life, and then also I think that's just how it is. You, yeah. We all have our own strange path to get to the places we need to get to, right? Yeah, and then that's your story, and then you get to do giant paintings of crazy things with your own exactly. story. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, for me, it was just, it, it was this thing, you know, there's a certain path that I had imagined or visualized for myself, and I was trying to push for it so much, and then I realized, why am I doing this? We all have different routes to wherever we need to get to, and I need to let that happen for myself instead of pushing for this other very, you know, conventional, in fact, boring uh, way to go about it. Yeah, and that's the thing, when you were talking about, like, you know, doing the oil paintings and the traditional stuff, and, you know, you're so funny, like, you're you're so you're so warm and funny. Like the second I met you, it's just like you instantly like want to be your friend because you're so funny and open. And um, I can't imagine you doing like big, deep, serious, you know, and following this like really super controlled path. Like it just wouldn't be you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Daniel. It really means a lot. But yeah, can you imagine doing all these emo kind of things? No, no. <laughs> and I can't do it either, right? Like that's why I've just embraced yeah. being funny because it's all you know it just makes me happy to be happy in the studio instead of you know Morbid. angsty yeah yeah and I don't have that much black eyeliner so you know I, I can't yeah. um okay are you ready my friend for the first not so speedy speed round of season three? Oh yes okay so. I have I only have I have four questions for you one my go-to coffee or tea is definitely tea and I love dipping biscuits in it um, but since I got pregnant it makes me feel really sick oh. <laughs> I, I, like hot drinks seem to not hot drinks I, I love hot chocolate and I think I usually still have it once in a while but um, but I also like my hot chocolate really melt like like uh, melted uh, dark hot chocolate oh. you know what I mean like yeah, melted yeah. chocolate like a shot Mm-hmm, that um, sounds pretty good. And that you, yeah, and that you like that add. still? Sorry, you still like that now being pregnant? I still like that. Um, initially, I for the uh, initially I couldn't have um, like very sweet biscuits and pastries and those kind of things, sugary things. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that will put me off uh, dipping biscuits in tea and having it all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, tea still. The minute I think about tea, I'm like. Ah, 
Okay, well, we won't talk about tea anymore. I had the same thing. I'm a coffee junkie, and I loved coffee, and then got pregnant, and I worked in Yale Town when I was pregnant, so there's a coffee shop, like, every 10 feet, and just the smell of it made me throw up, and so I would have to, like, and I walked home, so I'd passed, like, 30 coffee shops on my way home, and I would just have to, like, cover my face with my scarf because I was sick right around Christmas. I would just cover, and I would just run and I thought, I will never oh drink a coffee again. Oh. But then but then I hit about four and a half months and I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> and coffee, decaf, I drank decaf, but coffee was back in my life and I've never looked back. But So don't worry, tea and biscuits will be back, but we will no longer discuss so. it. Yeah, I miss my tea time. But yeah, coffee, coffee makes me go a little crazy. Like um, uh, palpitations and I go a little Oh like, yeah, well, well you don't want that. Complete lightweight. when I was so another well okay I'm gonna just keep talking about my pregnancy but I was so so sick like I'm so glad that you feel okay because I was until I was about four and a half four months pregnant I couldn't even keep water down I was just so sick and the only thing that I could actually eat and not lose was cinnamon buns from Cobb's with icing it had to have the icing and um for some reason I could keep those down and Charlie hates cinnamon buns (laughs) and I'm like you better learn to like them because that is the only reason you're alive because I survived on them it was so I know it was just cinnamon I wanted cinnamon so badly and it was the only thing that settled my stomach and then I went to my doctor because I was I had this plan um type a plan for being pregnant I was only going to eat broccoli and all like all this healthy stuff and I was like oh my god I can't even look like I can't even go to the grocery store without throwing up on something and I said all I can survive on is cinnamon buns and she's like that's fine she said, the baby's taking nutrients from other parts of your body. She's like, it's not awesome for you. <laughs> but, but then it turned out that it was fine. But, yeah, every time I go past a Cobbs and see a cinnamon bun, I'm like, oh, good yeah, times. <laughs> good times. Cobbs yeah. is awesome. But apparently it's like that. Even if you can't keep things down, the creature inside gets the stuff. Somehow. Yeah, they get what they need. It's just you yeah. that, that takes the consequences. Yeah, because okay. I felt that way as well in the beginning. Like, I couldn't, I didn't feel like... It didn't taste right. It didn't taste good. Yeah. The food, and it wouldn't go down. And I'd have lots of ginger tea. Not lots, but like, you know, after food or whatever. But apparently it's not a big deal. Yeah. I know. But well, it makes you feel better, right? Off. It's like, okay, let him. Oh, and yeah. speaking of him, do you guys, you don't know if it's a boy or a girl, do you? No, not yet. Not yet. But you're going to find out? Yes. Okay. okay, I'm going to keep going here. Um, Have you ever had a recurring dream? I actually strangely have not. I think maybe I had one recurring dream when I was very little, but since they've become more vivid and more clear, I mean, they were very clear yeah, when I was little as well. I used to, I used to be a little bit of a, uh, like, scared, scared, not really scared, but, like, I used to be a little bit of a worrisome kid. Okay. My my parents and my elders used to call me uh, an old soul. Oh, yeah. I'd always be worrying about something or the other. And uh, it, it used to be awful nightmares were a part of it. Oh. Um, but uh, not recurring ones, I don't remember. Hmm. Maybe you are an old soul. Maybe you really are your grandfather. <gasps> <laughs> I'd love that. 
I, oh, I have to tell you a quick re I'm like, see, I just have forgotten completely that there's people listening to us now, but anyway, I'm <laughs> pretending that we're, we're, we're just chatting over coffee yeah. or, and or tea. Um, okay. So when Charlie was little, he was about just shy of three. Um, our neighbor had passed away suddenly. It was really sad. She had ovarian cancer and she died very quickly and she had little two young boys and um, she died when Charlie was about one and a half or two. And then when he was three, Greg was away for work or something for a week. And so I'm just home with Charlie. And he said, um, he said, mommy, where did Zach and Jordan's mommy go? Because I know that they used to have a mommy and now they don't. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> like we haven't had this conversation yet. So I said, well, you know, she, she died. And so she, um, she doesn't live with them anymore. And he's like, well, where did she go? And I was like, well, I was like, well, some people believe in a place called heaven and some people believe in, anyway, we got into reincarnation. Well, I'm telling you, we talked for three hours. I talked for th <laughs> three hours with a three-year-old about reincarnation. He was, he's still in it. Like that's what he, that's his, what he believes. And that's what he wants to happen. And, um, and so he said at one point, um, when he was maybe six, he's like, do you think, um, and he's got it all like jumbled, like it's all, he's created his own world, right, too. So he's going to go to heaven. And then he said, do you think that when I get to heaven, I could ask the angels if I could come back as a snowy owl and maybe you could come back as my snowy owl mom? Isn't that the sweetest thing ever? I know, right? And so he's got this thing where he's just like, you figure you go up, you check in at a counter, like ring a bell, and then they reassign you to wherever. And he's like, I want to come back as an animal because I've already been a person. I think it'd be oh, cool. Yeah, so he's got a whole thing. So who knows how many times. I, I, he's an old soul too, so I don't know how many times he's been through already. Yeah. Daniel, how does he feel about you talking about him now on the podcast? Oh, he right doesn't now? know. <laughs> oh he would be mortified he would be mortified but the thing is he doesn't care about anything that I do like he's 12 now right so he loves me you can't me. get away with it now. yeah yeah he, he just doesn't care really like you know I'm not really allowed to post things on Facebook anymore of course of course that's the system but you know what damn it I birthed him I'm going to tell these stories forever yeah, I earned that yeah. right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, this is why this is the not so speedy speed round. This is <laughs> ridiculous. I'm going to stop telling my own stories. Okay. Now this might be altered because of how you're feeling right now, but favorite food. Favorite food. Oh my like, God. is it like home food? Like, do you want like food from Pakistan or do you have like your new favorites now in Vancouver? So I love I love um, cooking as well, and I love eating as well. Although I learned to cook, Google taught me how to cook only <laughs> when I moved to Vancouver, um, and that was mainly because I was really, I was like so worried that I wouldn't get home food anymore. Right. You know, because I'm used to eating Pakistani food at home, and I was the annoying one out out of my siblings who wanted to have home food. So right. they always wanted to go out to eat, but I wanted home food. And um, so, yeah, I think I think one of my favorite, I can tell you one of my favorite dishes from um, home-cooked food. Yeah. So it's murg palau, which is chicken and rice. And I think there are lots of versions of this. And I think you call it, like, I think it's some other country it's called 
chicken palaf. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's, it's very it's comfort food, and I love it for that. It's basically chicken cooked in um, rice, uh, rice and uh, onions. Mm, that sounds... Can you eat that right now? I'm actually going to eat that, because that's the leftover from yesterday. Oh. <laughs> Abed new food, and I'm going to continue eating that. Excellent. There you go. Dinner's already made. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, that sounds good. Now my mouth is watering. Um, okay, and finally, okay, deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, this is a would you rather to end things off. Would you rather be a horse or a bird? That's why Charlie wants to be a snowy owl, so that he can fly around. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. that's a whole other story, right? Like, yeah. I, I think horses are so beautiful, but um, my friends all call me llama. They think I'm a llama. <laughs> really? That is Charlie's favorite animal. He has llama pajamas, like everything. Oh, that's so good to hear. That's so always good. like I'm like a joke. You know, they, they've made such a joke out of me by just... Because there's so many llama memes and everybody yeah. posts them on Facebook, tagging me in them and everywhere. And I'm like, uh, llama. Okay. Oh, I've got a, sh yeah, we got Charlie a shirt for Christmas morning that said, fa la 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 llama. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and are there, are there llamas in your work? Uh, no. no well, okay. Not so far. <laughs> okay, I've got my list now. I've got printmaking, uh, a llama. What was the other thing we were going to do? I thought there was something else. We're going to have to play this back. Everybody that's listening probably is like, I can tell you. I just heard it. Anyway, <laughs> all those things. Um, that's, that's it. Those are all of my questions. Oh, my God. That's awesome. How uh, fun that was, was that? So I loved it. It's so nice because oh. we know each other a little bit. It was so nice to get to know you more. And... Um, so I am truly just so excited to see what's ahead of you because I, you're just such a talent. And on top of that, you're so funny and kind. And uh, yeah, it's just all good things are coming. Thank you so much, Danielle. That really means a lot. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's insane for me to hear it from you. It's just awesome. Oh, well, let's just hope that you don't give birth to a jelly bean or a kitten. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was trying to my husband said yes uh what we're going to have yeah like, it's not my body i can't guess i was just yes what's the big deal and then finally he was like i think it's a dragon <laughs> uh, get it <laughs> i just keep guessing in my own head oh there's a whole other painting though there's a whole other painting yeah that could be cool. i know that's the great thing about your work right like every weird thought you have is like another painting yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah. Well, you. thank you so much for doing this, and go have your delicious leftovers. And um, I'm going to be down in a couple of weeks, so hopefully um, I can see you then. And, um, and I'll come for you seriously. Come. Okay. Well, yeah. you know what? I'm there for a night. I'm gonna. I'll come the next time when I'm there longer. I'm going to the yeah. address show. You go, you're in the address show, right? I'm actually not in the address show, but yeah, I will be there. Because, okay. Uh, one of my uh, friends is in it. Okay, so I, I'm coming down just for the night for that. Um, so I'll see you at that party. Awesome. All 
All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for being my very first guest on the first episode back. So exciting. And for everybody listening, if you're first time listening, I always do a great big post on my site so that you can see all the things we talked about. And I'll have photos of um, Sarah's work, but then the mural and all the different stuff so everybody can uh, see actually what we were talking about. I hope you know how amazing this work is that you do, by the way. It's crazy how much you do for, for us artists. Well, you are an artist, so you have your own work to do, but you still do this, which is just amazing. Well, thank so you. At, at this stage, I don't think I can't, like, I can't not do it. It's just become, like, a weird addiction, you know? Good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad it's not the people's pressure, because I'm sure none of us would let you stop either. But I'm glad well, there was a lot of pressure not to take <laughs> summer breaks, and I just said, forget you people. I need a break. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Because it is a ton of work, but it's so rewarding. Like, I love, you know, we talk for an hour, hour and a half, but then you get out and you, like, it's such an intense talk that, like, you feel like you know each other so much more. Yeah. And um, I just, it's such a privilege to talk to you guys and hear your stories and be able to, you know, now that the podcast has, like, a pretty good following, like, to be able to know that when I, we didn't just go for coffee and I learned all this. Like now I can hit play and thousands of people get to hear your story too. Like that's so empowering to me. Like I can't believe I'm in a place where I get to do that. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Wow. I know. See, I didn't tell you that part before we started. Yeah. That would have made me far more. (laughs) (laughs) The podcast is now it's, I think it's just over 2 million downloads now. Yeah, so no pressure. Oh my god, yeah, it's a good thing. Like I can feel the sweat now. I know. <laughs> That's why I didn't tell you. I'm glad you did it. So that was already you know that anticipation yeah. was there. I mean, I kept telling myself, I'm just gonna have a chat with Danielle, it's going to be great. But the anticipation was there and the anxiety that's just how I think I am. I know, me too. I even felt that way. I felt anxious all day knowing, like, I was like, oh, why didn't we book this for 9 a.m. then when it would be done and so we didn't have to think about it all day? (laughs) No, but you would have found a very weird creature speaking to you at 9 a.m. That's right. That's right. You're not a morning person. (laughs) Well, that could be a whole other episode. We should do that too. And then we'll see how different the episodes are. We'll see what stories you tell me then. Yeah. Anyway. After 12, there's a whole other person. After 11 p.m. So, so, so yeah, you, you, we, we can do lots. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you again, and, um, yeah, I will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Danielle. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. <sighs> feels good to be back. And hearing Sarah's beautiful story was the perfect way to kick things off. I know I gushed a bit, but really, keep an eye out for her. Things are happening for this woman. Thanks to Sarah for her time and being so open with her story. Thanks to Saatchi Art and Create Magazine for supporting the episode. And thank you for coming back to Season 3. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.